0: Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there.
1: It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.
2: She's not the enmeshed kind of mom. She's the hands off, ignoring extreme emotional neglect. Unloving cold mom, not a lot of talking, just more a glare, lots of silent treatment, um, disappearing for days and weeks on end, you know, no no, no talk, just very strange behavior. So yeah. she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a drinker or anything like that, but very strange behavior. I always felt that, yeah, there was something wrong with me, definitely. I was different. there was something wrong, you know, reinforcing other, oh, well, you're shy, you're this, you're that. Yeah, I definitely felt that I was, I felt that not belonging.
0: Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls, and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives, And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives, and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us And they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. beautiful souls, when we think about childhood trauma, we often think about loud and violent situations, shouting, anger, rage, but abuse can be completely and utterly silent too. This week we are talking about abandonment and neglect. The toxic mum can be absent, unloving, disconnected, cold. She may barely speak to you. There can be a complete lack of love or care or in fact connection of any kind. Tracy's mum never connected with her as a baby and by the time she was a teen, Tracy was pretty much on her own. Tracy could be out all hours of the day and night and there was no curfew, no care as to whether she was home or not. And that might sound like a teenager's dream, right? Having no one telling you what you can and can't do. But in reality, this is a deeply lonely and dangerous place to be. Having a parent who doesn't want you home and has zero concern as to whether you're dead or alive is complete abandonment. And that can send a kid right off the rails. Tracy is now helping others to go no contact with toxic parents and is also working in somatic experiencing to help us to learn to regulate a traumatized nervous system please join me in hearing Tracy's story Tracy thank you so much for joining me today you are tracy principe on instagram and you are helping people to regulate their nervous systems through somatic experiencing and also how to navigate going no contact with toxic parents, which are both extremely important areas of trauma work. This work comes from your experience of going no contact with your own mother. Can you tell us what your relationship with your mum was like growing
2: up? Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. So I didn't have, I never felt close to my mother. We didn't have a bond. And I did think that was strange as a child, although I didn't obviously know why. But I knew that I didn't, you know, I didn't feel love, I didn't feel a connection. um, And I thought it was me. I thought I was the problem, right? Well, there must be something wrong with me why I don't connect with my mom. I'm not close to her. I don't feel like going to her. I don't even feel like I like her. And she used to tell me, when i was little that oh you just didn't bond with me um and you were not uh you know you were just cold and and unemotional and so she told me that and again i internalized it as it must be me there must be something wrong with me yeah but there was always that thing that i felt that there and there were signs that there was something wrong with my mom right And she has an undiagnosed mental illness. Um, That's definitely apparent what it is. It could be a bunch of different things. I could label it as, but, you know, I I really don't know because she's never been in therapy or got diagnosed with anything. But um, yeah, so there was always that weird thing of, yeah, there is definitely something wrong with my mom, but I didn't have anybody else in the household to validate it. Um, And she's a very cold she's not, she's not the enmeshed kind of mom she's the hands off ignoring extreme emotional neglect. Unloving cold mom not a lot of talking just more a glare, lots of silent treatment, Um, disappearing for days and weeks on end, you know, no, no, no talk just very strange um, behavior. So she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a drinker or anything like that, but very strange behavior. Luckily, I had my grandmother who was wonderful. I mean, well, no, my grandma wasn't perfect, but I knew the difference, right? I knew that my grandma loved me, even though she also, and she was my mom's mom. She also wasn't um, super nurturing or loving, but I knew that she loved me, right? There was a big difference between her and my mom and the way I felt. So luckily I had my grandmother yes you know, yeah. yeah taking it's, care of me
0: it's good to have that person isn't it because some people don't have yeah. that don't have the parent or anybody else so what were you feeling as a little kid you said that you felt or you were told oh you're just cold and and i what did yeah. that make you feel about yourself as a as a little mm-hmm. kid
2: yeah I always felt that, yeah, there was something wrong with me, definitely, yeah, I was different, there was something wrong, you know, reinforcing other oh, were well, you're shy you're this or that, so yeah, I definitely felt that i was I felt that not belonging, yeah. i guess you know i didn't I don't think I had a word for it back then, but it was definitely um now I could probably identify it as not belonging, yeah, yeah.
0: you say that your grandmother was a different sort of person. What what was your mum's life like growing up? Did she, do you think she felt loved?
2: Yeah, she doesn't talk about she <laughs> she always says her childhood was okay. She's like, oh well, you know, I turned out fine. And I asked her, was there any trauma or, you know, abuse or whatever? And she said no. However, now as an adult, I can see that that's not true. I know that her my grandfather died when she was 16 and so that must have been traumatic because I believe that she was closer to her dad than her mom. I know that she said that and she's a, she's an only child. Her parents didn't talk. They didn't there was no fighting but there was no, you know, there was no communication. It was just a lot of again silence, just, you know, ignoring and and doing their own thing. So it sounds like she didn't get a lot of love or attention The you know, my, her, my grandparents, her parents were busy doing their own thing and she was kind of left alone to play.
0: I guess when you don't get it yourself, you don't really know how to yeah. give it right. You don't,
2: right, and that, and that right. can
0: just come down through generations. And whilst she might've wanted to show love she probably didn't even have those tools i guess it's interesting isn't it some people will develop those
2: interesting yeah 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 it's interesting you know to to kind of try to figure out the the trauma that's being passed down through generations right um to try to figure out what happened especially if our parents are not forthcoming they um, are denying their own trauma Uh, or minimizing you know their own traumas it can be hard to get the truth and you know factual information yeah Yeah, absolutely yes so definitely a lot of that a lot of secrecy you know yeah
0: and what about what about your dad what was your relationship like
2: with your dad growing up so my mom um, had an affair my dad was married with five kids of his own he had five kids he was about 20 years older than her my mom was beautiful young very attractive you know very beautiful he was 20 years older married with five kids she had an affair and got pregnant and had me so I didn't know my dad at all and he died when I was pretty young he he was an alcoholic and he died of liver disease that you know back then they didn't you know if you had had liver disease you didn't get a liver transplant you died yeah absolutely
0: yeah my gosh so so you don't know any of that family at all
2: no so i yeah so that was really tough because i didn't my mom never told me that right that that was seeing that now that was some a shameful secret that she tried to keep she never told me i had to find that out on my own and so i found out i found out that true history actually not that long ago some years ago as an adult to try to find you know my half brothers and sisters they won't have anything to do with me Um, so Yeah, so that's, you know, that was devastating. But now seeing that, you know, that's their unhealed trauma, that they can't even face that at all. Right? It's a tough, um, you know, reality.
0: That is a tough reality. Yeah, I can imagine. There's a lot of abandonment there, isn't there? Because Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like if somebody turned up on my doorstep or on my phone or email and said, I'm related to you, I'd just be so interested in meeting that person. But it's interesting that some people just don't want to see anything about that. It just doesn't fit in with their view of the world, I guess. Right.
2: Yeah. And as far as I know, everyone on my dad's side of the family is an alcoholic. They've either died from alcoholism or nobody. I'm a recovering alcoholic myself, but nobody really got in recovery. And so there's a lot of alcoholism on that side of the family. So I can assume that, you know, they're just drinking away their pain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, you know that's how they deal with things. They drink. you know, so so it took me a long time to realize that that has nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't have anything to do with me.
0: So by the time you get to sort of high school, you mm-hmm. you're probably quite lonely and abandoned in terms of any kind of connection or love at home. How did that affect you as a teen?
2: Um, I started with an eating disorder at fourteen. Uh, anorexia, and that progressed into um, drugs in high school, and alcohol, um, and sex, and boys, and and dropping out of high school. I didn't go to college, um, and then I got pregnant. By the time I was twenty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
0: so that's really just. A young person looking for any way to kind Absolutely. of, I don't know, connect or right. be a part of something, or and it's so obvious, isn't it? And I just think yeah. that there's this whole story around oh these kids that go off the rails and they're yeah. they're all just no hopers it's like these kids are looking for something they're yeah. they've got no love there's no connection for them they're trying to find somewhere yeah. to fit in right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And because I had the mother that was very ignoring, I didn't have rules. I could be gone for days and she never came looking for me. Yeah. Never called the police. It was like, oh, good, you're gone. Because I was like a burden to her, right? So she never searched for me or wondered if I was okay or anything like that. You know, so there was, and there were, I had no rules. Other kids had curfews and they, you know, they had to be in at a certain time. And I didn't have any of that. Yeah. How did you feel yeah. about
0: that at the time?
2: At the time, I thought it was strange because I noticed that other kids had rules and they had to come in and eat dinner at the, you know, with the family or whatever. But then there was other kids in the neighborhood that also didn't have rules. And of course, we're the ones that, you know, hung out with each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah yeah
0: and so what what do you think was your lowest point around that time?
2: Mm. yeah I had a lot of low points. I think you know when I got pregnant um obviously I wasn't planning to do that um but my daughter you know i I gave birth and I was something to focus on right and i and I had to focus I had a child I was a parent, and it was something to focus on, and that's when I really turned things around and went to work. you know got a job and her dad is an alcoholic and he was abusive when he was drunk so i left that relationship pretty early after maybe she was about a year old year and a half um and i went to work yeah yeah and that's when i turned all of that bad into achieving and perfectionism and all of those other things that we do yeah so it was the same trauma just propelled and fueled into working and excelling and achieving and maybe I could get some I'm worthy I'm good enough I'm okay from that yeah right yeah Yeah. yes I was I was young and I saw other people that were young having a good time and I was like I want that too yeah yeah and what was it
0: like bringing up a a little because how old were you at that point when you had your
2: I was like 21,
0: 21, yeah. yeah. So, what was yeah. it like? I mean, the responsibility of having a, a
2: little yeah, baby, because you was, wouldn't
0: have had really any family support, would no, you? No,
2: none. Zero support. Zero support from the dad. Um, and yeah, that was. It was intense. I remember. Um, that's when I started drinking because I started using alcohol to just take the edge off. I was, I now I know what it was. It was this survival mode. I was in this survival and I could never relax. Um, And I guess it was really anxiety, like this constant state of anxiety, I could never relax. So I started to use alcohol to just come home from work and have a glass of wine. And that over the years progressed, you know, into more and more alcohol because I just couldn't take the edge off. But yeah, it was pure survival mode. And all I could think of was I got to go to work because I have to, you know, keep a roof over our heads and I have no backup. There's literally no backup.
0: Yeah. It's a pretty scary place to be, isn't it? Being responsible for a little little baby and knowing that there's no backup. Um,
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that energy really fueled me and I got really good jobs and I made a lot of money that I never had to depend on it. Because I was like, I'm never going to depend on the man because I had experienced that early abuse. Um and I didn't ever want to feel in that position again where I couldn't get away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was about the lowest point of leaving her dad in the middle of the night with no. No money, no co- nothing, no job, no education. That was a really low place to be, and I said, I will never ever be in that position again.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a, a lot of strength in that, right? I mean, you obviously had this inner strength because a lot of people can't do that. They can't. They can't get yeah. up and and leave in the middle of the night. So you obviously had a real strength inside you just to make it all work for you yeah Uh, uh, when you're at, at a really low point yeah
2: yeah it was definitely at a cost um you know because i um really you know started using alcohol and and um you know my daughter is a again that trauma that gets passed down i didn't have that awareness that i thought i was like well i'm going to work and doing all these things and my daughter was a product of being raised by an alcoholic single mom.
0: And um, did you end up in any other sort of toxic relationships or you, you were able to see clear of getting back involved with that?
2: I did in somewhat again choosing men that weren't available because maybe they had an addiction in my 20s, you know, men that yeah, they they had addictions and and then I just decided it was better to be single.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you you've got this little girl that you're raising, you're working really hard. you're you're getting through at what point in your life did you realize that you're actually holding a lot of trauma?
2: Mm. Um, gosh, that was actually. Not really, like not that long ago, it was, it, you know, was an accumulation of things. My daughter went off to college and I really felt that aloneness again. I hadn't felt that in a long time. And I had quit my corporate job because it wasn't, it just wasn't working anymore, right? I felt burned out. I felt unfulfilled. My drinking had progressed quite a bit by then. Um, so it was that thing that was always there you know, and I hear this from a lot of people, it's like that thing, and I'm just trying to get away from it. And I might change jobs, I might change, you know, boyfriends, and all these things. And that works for a while. But there that thing is, again, no matter where I go, there it is, right. And, and so it had come back, at that point, pretty um, intensely, it intensified. And I still didn't know what it was. I didn't know I had trauma. I didn't know what it was. And so at that point, I met my my now husband, we've been married for 13 years. He's a nice guy. He doesn't have a drinking problem. He said, you really drink a lot. And I, and he's the first person that said, you drink a lot. I was like, what really? <laughs> you know, I was sh- shocked because nobody had ever said that before. And, um and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm really stressed. So, you know, I deserve to have a drink. Um, And then, so I ended up, I I got sober for the first time. And that was, that was um, really tough, really tough. Um, And then I realized that, you know, yeah, there was some, there was some definite issues. And then I was in the 12-step program and going through that. And then um, lots of different, you know, I started, I started a business. I did a lot of really great things. Again, I was sober for the first time and things were feeling really good had a great business. And then um, at that point, I was doing a lot of just people pleasing, no boundaries, and I got burned out, really bad burned out, and my body was starting to break down at that point. Um, And I sold that business because it was a, um, it was a pet sitting business. So I had, you know, I was, it was physical, very physical. And, um, and that's when I knew something was wrong really wrong yeah my body started breaking down um and and then i but i kept trying to get back up like i always did get back up keep going get back up right keep powering through just burning through and that stopped working and and that's when i really my body just shut down and gave out um and that's when i knew that something was very wrong And at that point I had also gone no contact with my mom I had done that before, but this time I knew. There was that time I was like oh i'll just try one more time to help her because she's getting older, this was my thought process that's not her thought process. she's getting older she should want you know she's 80 now she should want to have you know try a relationship and maybe I can help her, you know I was always glad to help her and and so I went. And guess what? That's what I wanted, but that's not what she wanted. That's not what she wanted. Yeah, she never wanted that. And in that moment that I saw that I had tried to help her and it was okay for the first couple of days, like it always is. And then she turned on me and started blaming me for things like she always did. And I, for some reason that clicked. And I said, I'm walking away. I'm never coming back. And that's what I did. Wow. So. When I went no contact is when my trauma really started showing up, right? So sometimes that happens going, you know, sometimes people feel better. They're like, oh, wow, you know, my anxiety goes away and some of this stuff goes away. For me, I had been, it was always there, but I focused on other things. So when I cut that, it was, it really started showing up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was that a bit like having a breakdown then at that point?
2: Yeah, it felt like it. It felt like I don't know if that was a nervous breakdown, a mental, physical, emotional breakdown. I mean, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah.
0: What did you do at that point to try and help yourself?
2: Well, I I, I didn't I didn't know what it was. Uh, I still didn't quite know what it was. And for me, I don't have an explicit memory because of the um, emotional neglect. I was a baby, so I don't have a memory of that. My body has a memory, though. So my body I will feel that as an extreme intensity in my body that is so unbearable, um, extremely unbearable. Right? So it shows up as an intensity in my body, and come to find out, it's CPTSD. So I don't have that actual memory of anything happening. That started happening pretty intensely, and so it's it's a it's an emotional flashback where you don't have a memory, but you have the body sensations and feelings, right? And it is just awful. If anybody's ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. And at that point, somebody said, Hey, you should read that book, The Body Keeps the Score, by Bessel van der Kolk. He talks about how trauma is stored in the body, he talks about PT, you know, all this whole thing, exactly my experience. I read that book in that moment for me, that light bulb, I was like, that's my entire this book that explains my entire life. I know I have CPT, I know I know this thing that just clicked, right? Um, And I knew. So the next day I called a somatic experiencing therapist. I made an appointment and I went went in and she said, where do you feel that in your body? And the floodgates opened. Now that doesn't happen for everybody, but for me, I was just so ready for that because I was desperate. And she said, where do you feel that in your body? I was like, wow, nobody ever asked me that before.
0: Yeah. Were you doing other forms of therapy? Before that, like talk therapy and things? Did you see like a massive difference between those types of? Yeah,
2: I had done, you know, talk therapy, I have done, you know, a lot of meditation and yoga and spiritual, Um, I did a lot of spiritual Reiki, a lot of spiritual energy healing type of stuff. What else? Oh, gosh, you know, just a lot of a lot of personal development type of things, you know, reading books and and all of those things, trying to um, have a healthy diet, exercise, vitamin supplements, herbal remedies, you name it, Um, tried all of that. But this, you know, was completely different. It made so much sense, you know, that your body and the nervous system uh, stores trauma especially for those of us that actually don't have a memory in your mind right yeah and it explained my entire life of that memory in the body my reactions you know different things and I thought wow I'm, I'm not crazy that explains everything I'm traumatized
0: wow. and what a amazing revelation that is to
2: yeah
0: to for a person you know like oh my gosh I'm not just going crazy it's actually something and I think a lot of people I'm similar you know you can spend your entire life and all of a sudden you start realizing all of these things it's it's amazing to actually have somebody that comes along and can help you in that way So, how long were you in that therapy to until you started feeling like you were? Oh, in a I place? like
2: yeah, right away. For me, it was right away because again, I think I just responded to it at that point because I was out of options. And um, you know, a lot of people that come to me, they're in that burnout, out of options. They've tried it all. Their body's in state of complete dysregulation, or maybe they're suffering from chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, or, you know, IBS, uh, some autoimmune issue, those chronic pain, um, all of that stuff went away when I did this work. And, you know, what a, what a, what a revelation. I don't need, you know, I don't need pain. I don't need doctors to tell me, give, you know, they don't know what's wrong with me or whatever. Yeah, it made so much sense that, yeah, that trauma is all stored in my body. And that's why I have pain and, you know, my body's breaking down.
0: And it sounds yeah. like
2: it, it can help any,
0: any of those sorts of conditions. That's pretty wide reaching, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it really is. So at that point, I was like, wow, people don't know about this. I wish I had known about that 20 years ago, right? I would have saved a lot of pain and suffering. People don't know about this. I need to tell I need to tell people about this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so can you explain a little bit about how that works when somebody comes to see someone like yourself for somebody
2: experiencing? Talking doesn't get to the part of the brain where trauma is stored, or you know, your nervous system, which in I'll keep it simple, is, you know, your fight, flight freeze, right? Your survival system. So you can think of fight-flight is that hyper arousal energy, you got, you know, you might want to flee, you might want to fight, you got a lot of, you know, anxious energy that might fuel you to do something. And then you've got the free shutdown, which is the depression, the dissociation, the um, just kind of, you know, not really motivated to do anything. Low energy. Yeah. So those are, you know, that's what happens with trauma, we go into those survival states. So trauma isn't necessarily the event, because you might not even remember the event. But it was the experience that changed the way that you had to survive in your household, right? So you your nervous system started adapting to that, because that's what it does, it keeps you safe and surviving. And since you were a child, you couldn't run away. And you couldn't fight back. So the only other option was probably to just shut down and, um, and and maybe, you know, try to create safety for yourself in however you might have done that as a child or maybe, you, you know, or whatever you did to survive in your home. That's what changes your nervous system and rewires your brain. Most people describe, almost everybody says, my childhood was like walking on eggshells if they don't have a word, they will use that. Um, there was instability, there was no safety. So walking, you know, it was walking on eggshells, we got wired for instability. And so with that wiring, we go into adulthood. And we find unstable relationships, jobs that maybe, you know, are toxic. Uh, and, you know, friendships that maybe are also toxic, it permeates almost every area of life, right, so everywhere, especially relationships, um, because that's going to mirror the relationship with our parents. Right. So I see that in almost everybody, but it's that instability of the nervous system, but it's going to go to that chaotic rather than the unfamiliar of that, you know, that stable place
0: and so what are you actually doing for people is it is it like a physical therapy is that what it is
2: no it's so the very first thing we do is we do nervous system regulation so most people again their nervous system is i call it hijacked right so your nervous system is hijacked you don't have space for any talk talking and talking about trauma We don't even do that. We don't dive into any trauma. We just work with the body, the physiology. So somebody might come in and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I just can't blah, blah. And they're talking a lot. And that tells me they're really disconnected from their body. Right. So the first thing is slowing down because in order to, so we stay away from our feeling we're humans and our natural inclination is to stay far away from pain. We don't want to feel pain. So that's why we stay busy and distracted and have our coping and all the things that we do, right? That's normal. So when we actually, we have to slow down to feel. So most people, when they begin to slow down, they're like, oh, that's very uncomfortable, right? Most people can feel that. And most people will say, I'm afraid if I slow down, I'm gonna just go off the edge and not be able to get back up. And that's a valid fear. That's real, right? So we don't want that to happen. So we slow down very slowly and carefully because the nervous system thinks that chaos is safe because we've been wired for that for so long. So when we actually go to slow down and find safety, the nervous system is like, oh, I don't like that. I don't wanna do that. That's uncomfortable. So it's that is the trickiest part and it sounds really simple, right? But it is very difficult. But if people stick with it to get through that, on the other side of that is this peace and freedom that you will never seek external validation, love, from whatever ways that you do that, right? And we have a multitude of ways that we can do that. Mostly what I see is people-pleasing, you know, not setting boundaries, just saying yes to everything. And again, that's not, if we listen to our bodies and our systems and honor that and learn to set that boundary, and setting a boundary is super scary, right? That's like, maybe we got punished. We couldn't do those things as a child. So as an adult, very scary to set a boundary, even with a safe partner, or a safe person that we might have in our lives. Most people can't do it it's too scary. So when we find that safety and safety is a felt sense in the body, it's a feeling. So because we didn't have that we have to, we have to create it, right, we have to find that feeling. Once we have that, everything else starts to fall into place. It's really quite amazing. It's very, it's a very organic process yeah. that absolutely transforms all of those areas of your life. Essentially, what we're doing is you are becoming the person that you needed, right, in your life. You needed that support, that love, that nurturing. So my therapist told me, because I told her my mom told me that I didn't bond with her but come to find out through somatic work, that's not true because babies will bond with a monster. That's what they they need that for survival. So I knew in that moment that that wasn't true. It was my mother the whole time. It was never me because a baby wants to bond with their mom. Yeah. Yeah. It was my mom that didn't bond with me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And- yeah. And so people are listening to this um, and they're thinking this might help me. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be helpful to anyone who's struggling with trauma or who is it really good for?
2: It's really good. I mean, anyone would benefit from regulating their nervous system. I think we have a society of people with unregulated nervous systems, Um, and so definitely anybody could benefit from nervous system regulation. But if you think about that fight, flight, freeze, shutdown and you recognize that you have anxiety, you have panic attacks, you have depression, you have anger outbursts, or there's something there, you know, traumatically that maybe you just tucked away and forgot about, you know, tried to move through. Or if you are somebody that absolutely tried it all and there's that thing that, that's been following you around, is still there, or possibly you even know that your parents might not be as healthy. Um, you know, we, we, we sometimes make them out to be better than they are, because again, we want that relationship. That's normal to want that. Yeah. Um, any, if anything resonates here, you know, and has you thinking a little more deeply, um, then certainly this could be something, that you might you know be interested in looking into a little bit more or if you've been in talk therapy a long time and you just feel like it's not doing as much as it, it could be doing definitely I believe this is the missing piece for sure is getting to that nervous system level and the body yeah
0: yeah absolutely yeah. Um it all sounds so amazing and just going back then to your own mum and and that decision that you made to go no mm-hmm. contact yeah so what you're doing now is helping others to do that so how,
2: that's a big part of it yeah yeah how yeah how
0: much does it change or how much did it change your life to to go no contact
2: Yeah it really I always say no contact is the first step because you're giving yourself that space. To, because what happens is we get into these codependent and meshed trauma but I didn't have that codependent mom but actually I, I see more of the codependent and meshed parents you know a mom and maybe an enabling dad and it's very enmeshed and codependent and it's similar to it it is a trauma bond just like you would have a trauma bond with a partner that trauma bond started with your family of origin your parents it's very hard to break from that because it's like a drug. It wires the brain for that in, intermittent reinforcement. Um, so what I see people is really struggling to break away, They break away, the parents come back, They go, you know, it's, it's that push, pull, tugging, going back and forth, a lot of that, right? Um, and it breaks them down, just they, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically broken down by that cycle of abuse that's really been going on since childhood it's still going on in adulthood so breaking free from that trauma bond when they kind of take back their power and we do some other work too not just somatic but you know saying i'm the adult now protecting my inner child right i am going to set those boundaries and and this you know really creates space and and oftentimes when you remove yourself and you stop focusing on your parents cuz all the focus goes on your parents again, it's another distraction from your own pain. And so taking a break and focusing that is when you get the real clarity of Oh, wow, things were a lot worse than I thought. Right, Mm -hmm. because I've been masking it all. And that's totally normal. Um, That happens. That's what happens you break free, get the clarity, give yourself some space. Oh, (laughs) you know, things are much worse than I had made out I was making things, you know, better. And that again, of course, that's the way to protect ourselves. Yeah, and then but but that clarity helps fuel the change that's needed. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. But I think also when you've been in that situation since childhood, yeah, I think some people don't even realize how bad it is. Right? They're just it's just so familiar to them. Yeah. Um, And I speak to people just from my Instagram page. And you can just see, it's very hard for people to see out of those relationships, because yeah. they're so deep in them, aren't they?
2: Right, they're really deep in them. And it is if you think that's normal, or just the way things is, you know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way mom and dad are. So I guess I have to put up with it. And then society doesn't really give us the opportunity. There's a society-wide I think there's this thing of oh well you gotta just forgive your parents those are the only so you better just forget about it and make the best of it or or, you know be the bigger person Um, but we wouldn't do that with domestic violence you know we tell people to leave we wouldn't tell them to go back and work it out and what people don't understand it is the exact same I can guarantee everyone that has been in an abusive relationship that came from your experience in your own family of origin that just didn't happen for no reason so you know again society accepts oh yeah you shouldn't be in it with an abusive partner yeah leave get out but parents they don't understand oh no you should you know we don't have a an accepted um experience of that right and even with um you know, people in my community that have gotten restraining orders against their parents because they're violent and aggressive, right? Um, It's very hard to get that against your parent. You can get it against a a partner, but a parent is is difficult because the judge or the police don't even want to believe it.
0: Yeah, it's just not part of of our fairy tale story, is it? That um, this is what's happening in in real life. Uh, It's quite interesting. So when people go no contact and you go through all of that, I mean, are people then trying to circle back at some point to create a relationship or is no contact, no contact forever?
2: Um, It's really up to whatever people want to do. Most people realize that they don't want to go back to that. Um, Some people, I don't think for anybody there's ever going to be a relationship because those parents aren't changing their behavior. They're staying exactly the same. The The thing is, is that you changed your behavior and the way you respond and the way you feel and all of that. So um, it does lessen the triggers, like I can see my mom and she doesn't trigger me, she's not going to send me into a shame spiral, or a trauma response where I'm going to self harm in some way or self destruct. That doesn't happen anymore. I I mean, she doesn't trigger me. And and she will say things, you know, like offhanded comments. None of that bothers me um, because I know it doesn't have anything to do with me. But she's not somebody that I can connect with. She's very, um, you know, dissociative and in her own world. It's not somebody that you could connect with or even have a conversation with. Um, And that doesn't work for me, right? Mm. that kind of relationship doesn't work for me. Um, You could, you know, I could talk about the weather and the cats, and she will make that conversation last for hours. You know, but there's no can you can't connect with her, there is no way to connect with her. Now, some people have highly abusive, volatile parents, you know, that there's just no way to go back and they don't want to have, you know, they don't want any connection there. Some people can go back and it's a very boundary You know they're not going back to that trauma bond so the parent is forced to you know live by very tight boundaries if they want some contact with let's say you know the grandchildren or or whatever so i have some clients that are able to do that yeah and it works out okay yeah very individual
0: I think it's important that I mean you've spoken about your trauma was really abandonment right I think it's important for people to understand that that is trauma I think a lot of people are not recognizing it because they do think it's got to be this big loud you know Mm -hmm. abusive kind of all of those things that you automatically think of as trauma but trauma can really be very much no love can't it yeah it's
2: It can be that your parents, your caregivers were not regulated. They didn't have a regulated nervous system because of whatever was going on for them, right? And so there was something going on with your parents, maybe they had an addiction, maybe they had a mental illness diagnosed or undiagnosed, maybe they were just working all the time. And, and when they came home, they were checked out, or maybe it was was something else. So, and, you, and you weren't allowed to express yourself. You learned that verbally or non verbally. Again, it could just be non I had a lot of non verbal cues. And that's all I needed, because I remember what that felt like. So maybe you couldn't express that you were sad, or maybe you got bullied, but you knew that your parents weren't available to say, Hey, I got bullied at school. Maybe they said, Hey, toughen up and deal with it. Yeah. I was gaslight. My mom would gaslight me. Of course, I, I grew up in the seventies, so I didn't know what that meant. Um, but I knew something wasn't right. She would gaslight me um, over and over and over again. And she lied a lot and I knew she was lying. So, but you know, we didn't have words back then. For what yeah. was happening right so not being seen not being heard not being validated that's over and over again which is that developmental complex trauma um of not you know not being believed not being you know just that is very very traumatic right and that's what most people have
0: yes yeah yeah, yeah. and so you you had a beautiful daughter many years ago, and what are the things that were important in raising your own daughter?
2: Mm. Yeah, i made a lot of mistakes for sure, because I didn't have the awareness back then that I have now. Um, and And so one of those things is owning all those mistakes, right, and not, you know, I think for most of us, I will speak for most of the people that I know in my community, if a parent would just acknowledge and truly take accountability and responsibility, that would, we, you know, and again, validate, yes, I messed up. Not, oh, this half arsed apology or, you know, right? But actually apologize and then go, you know, fix, go to therapy, do whatever you need to do, get sober, get clean, you know, get medication, whatever you need to do. I think, you know, that's all we're really asking for. But most parents are never going to do that. They just can't. They can't do that. Right. In fact, that's what most people are waiting for when they go back and, and, you know, they're trying so hard to get acknowledgement or, hey, you did this. Why aren't, you know, why can't you just say that. So, you know, but they won't. Right. And so to be able to acknowledge my mistakes and not expect anything from my daughter right because she she you know she doesn't have to talk to me or have a relationship with me just because I'm acknowledging my mistakes and then you know being able to work through that yeah hard because it's very difficult when you have your own trauma and then you realized that in the process you caused somebody else harm in that process and so to go do all of that, it's about the hardest work that you could ever do. but so worth it, I can't imagine staying in this place of denial and and denying somebody's reality and, and yeah, yeah. And as hard as it is, and it is hard. it's not easy. What a beautiful place of internal freedom and liberation from all of that, right? And I'm not carrying that burden of my mom and ancestors and yeah that was never mine to carry absolutely
0: I love that and yeah it's just breaking that cycle isn't it and doing it differently and I mean like you say all anybody wants is just the acknowledgement of what what has happened because if when if you can't have acknowledgement you can't move on because it's like moving on in a great big lie because nobody's coming to the table and saying okay this is this was i yeah. played my part in this and that's
2: that's right that's all
0: we want isn't it
2: yeah and that that's the repair we can't have that repair because there's nobody to repair with right because they're not so when i do this work you know we're repairing without them because they're not willing to do that right so we're doing all this work with them not included yeah
0: absolutely Yeah. Well, Tracy, you have some great offerings to help people who want to go no contact with toxic parents. Can you tell us where we can find you and everything about what you're doing there?
2: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Tracy Principe. I'm pretty active on there. My website is TracyPrincipe.com. Anyone can email me as well, Tracy at TracyPrincipe.com. I do one-on-one work. My one-on-one is usually pretty full or close to full on any given basis, there might be a short waiting list, depending a 10 week program, which is actually called navigating no contact. It's a program, a small group program, usually no more than 10 people at a time. And I run it live because again, it's really hands on work that we do together in a very small group. And that really helps People. We do the somatic. It helps people in that state of kind of that enmeshed codependency. And with all the usual things, the guilt, the shame, the grief process, we do some inner child work using internal family systems. And so it's, it's a really great program. And I run it live. It's actually running right now. And then, you know, it'll close out and I'll open it up again. So that's a, you know, that's a really great program to get in on. You know, to start, start the process as well. So, yeah, lots of really great stuff and, and um, you know, great things for people to get started. But I'm always happy to hear from people and answer questions if this is new, you know, new information.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that all just sounds amazing, Tracy. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking that this is something that could benefit you, please reach out to Tracy because. It all just sounds so amazing. Thank you so much for your time in chatting with us and you. everything you're doing is just so needed and it, it was really great to hear your story and how you've taken everything that's happened and created something beautiful out of it. So thank you so much, Tracy, for your time thank today. You.
2: Thank you for having
0: me. Check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode come and follow me on instagram at my big love project drop a review if you're listening on apple podcasts and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it you are such an incredible soul because you are you you are unique your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story Your time is precious, and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European
1: linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more